Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Yeah, thanks, Kimberly. I almost just poured water all over my shirt, so thank you. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get started. So I, I'm not, I'm excited to teach. Um, I look a little out of sorts because I've never had to forgive Kimberly Aikens in my life, I don't think, but I have to forgive her this time working on it because she's only given me like 10 or 12 minutes. I'm just kidding. But I have very limited time, so I'm like, I want to get everything in and be faithful to the time. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you for these women gathered. Help me to be faithful in teaching uh, for the spiritual need from the riches of your word. Help Joe to be faithful in teaching about a physical need because we live as embodied creatures in a physical world and need these defensive tactics. Um, and so this is uh, mind and body today, spirit and physical body. And we pray that this would be edifying to all the women here. Help me to speak your truth all for your glory. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm only, I'm only teasing Kimberly, but I do have limited time, and uh, thank you for asking me to speak. I'm very excited to do that, and it's one of the, uh, speaking the women, just the women, is one of the things I've wanted to do for a long time, and this will be only a short snapshot, um, and maybe we could do something longer down the road. It's funny because whenever you do women's or men's studies, it's always, they'll get like a women uh, speaker to speak to the women, and there's a lot of things pastorally that men, pastors, would like to say to the women. So are you guys with me? Okay, because we're going to celebrate femininity. Um, And I can do that as a pastor, even though I'm a man. Um, So real quick, though, I want to talk about what Christians believe as a starting point. Because you came to a self-defense class, correct? So the greatest threat that we have is obviously not a physical threat. It's not a physical threat. The greatest threat that we have is not violence, man against man, but the greatest threat against which we need defense is God himself. And the impending judgment on our sin. That's what we need defense against. And Jesus is, in fact, our sure defense. It says in 1 John 1, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, if anybody does sin, and we're all sinners, we have an advocate advocate with the Father, a a defense attorney, a lawyer, a, a defensive shield. We have a defense with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is our defense. He is the propitiation for our sins. He's the one who takes away God's wrath. And not the propitiation for our sin only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So that is what we believe as Christians, because I know some people who are here might not be from our church, or they might be new, or that you might be very churched. Regardless, we want to get on the right foundational point, and that is that our greatest need is defense against God's looming judgment, and we find that in Jesus Christ. We believe that God created all all of us, all things, all of the universe, and that he's perfect and without sin, but man and woman in our sinfulness were rebels and we have violated God's law. Not only in the garden, Adam and Eve, but individually every day from our birth, we have violated God's law and therefore we deserve judgment in hell forever. That's the punishment, eternal death. But the good news is because God is loving, he came to the earth, took on flesh as a man, became like one of us, Jesus Christ, the son, and lived a perfect life without sin in your place as a substitute. We all understand that basic word, substitute. Living the life you couldn't live perfectly on your behalf. And then when he went to the cross, he paid for your sin as a substitute 
and received in himself the due penalty for your sin. God's judgment, eternity in hell, he placed on Jesus Christ on your behalf. He died and was buried. And we believe what the scriptures teach that he physically rose again on the third day, walked out of the tomb alive and conquered death. And so the good news for us is if we put our faith in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, if we repent from our sin, what that means is I don't want to follow sin anymore. I want to follow Christ. I want to worship the Lord. We believe in him as Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we we put our faith in him to save us. We devote ourselves to him as our Lord in obedience. And that means we are, by faith, saved forever. Our, Our destination goes from hell to eternal life in heaven to be with him forever because our sins are erased. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and we call that being born, what? Being born again. That's what we believe as Christians. And I want to start with that and emphasize that because if you get anything out of today, even beyond the defensive moves, which are very important, we want to know, most importantly, what we need for our souls for eternity. So that is the gospel. Now, with that intro, I want to shift gears to a very cursory survey of biblical femininity. You guys with me? Okay. Joe, just if if you decide you want to go longer with your defense and cut me off, just spear tackle me as your first demonstration of, <laughs> of how to get somebody, you know? All right, so um, a very cursory survey of biblical femininity. Man and woman are image bearers of God. They were made as image bearers. That means we reflect God's character and his identity and his attributes. He made man as the pinnacle of creation, and, and you'll know in context whether I mean man, all of us, man, or man specifically, masculine. But in this context, I'm saying he made all men, men and women, to as the crowning point of creation, come on in, to reflect him as the overlords of creation, to be God's kind of ambassador and representative on the earth in the universe. That is what man is. And there are particularities to the image bearing. Man, man specifically masculine, images and reflects power and strength. But what does woman image particularly? Have you ever asked that question? For what purpose did God make woman? What peculiar aspects of God are uniquely seen in woman and not in man? Things that you can do as women that I'll never be able to do as a man. And I'm not talking physical things in terms of my spiritual identification. God made woman, listen, who is a reflection of his four things. God made woman who is a reflection of his beauty, his grace, his service, and his healing. And please bear with me because this is sensitive content. I know I'm a guy, and I only have 10 minutes, so I'm going quickly. And this is only intended to exalt women, not denigrate. So I'm going to do my best here. Okay, woman images God's beauty. I'm going to keep checking my watch because I'm trying to be vigilant. I would stay with you all day and teach for three hours, but I can't. Okay, Um, woman images God's beauty. Genesis chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. I'm not going to turn there for time. Do Do you know the story? Of Genesis, I'll just read a couple verses. Hold on. Thanks. I'm like, I'm stressing you out watching me. I'm like, oh. no. I keep getting, I don't know what the church is trying to tell me. I keep getting teaching assignments and it's like seven minutes, 10 minutes, 26 minutes. Like, I, no one ever gives me a blank check. There's probably a reason. Okay. Except college career students. A Friday night. Okay. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
God made man, he made all these creatures, lions and tigers and zebras and hippopotamuses and everything cool and birds, but no, nothing was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Let's have some observations. Obviously, the animals were not suitable. Thank goodness, they weren't suitable. Woman was made second after man. She completes the picture. Do you realize that? There is something lacking in creation without woman. Man needs woman. Creation needs woman. And woman is to be united physically with man. There is, there is a satisfaction and an attractiveness inherent in womanness. Femininity, there's an attractiveness to it. So here's a conclusion. Woman is quite literally the beautiful crowning point on creation. Did you hear what I said? Woman is the beautiful crowning point on creation. She's made last. And that's not to say that all women must be beautiful like a supermodel. That's too superficial of an idea. Can you listen? And I want you to be encouraged, young ladies. I am saying this, that femininity itself is a beautiful proposition in God's creation. It is a beautiful object, just being feminine. More so, in fact, than anything else God made. You are the most beautiful thing that God made in all of the universe. Can we let that sink in for a second? After he made the waves and the sunsets and all the flowers, none of it was good enough till he finally made woman. And that was beauty. And listen, a woman, because I know where your minds might go, a woman who maybe sadly is disabled or is sick or whatever the case, is still beautiful because femininity itself as an identity, not merely as an externality, is beauty. Did you hear what I said? Femininity is beauty. Masculinity is not. I am not beautiful. <laughs> it's kind of strange because I'd like to see what that feels like. Your, your femininity is beautiful. Woman is God's beauty personified. And I will give yet a simple observation of an external reality in God's creation that demonstrates the inward spiritual reality. I'm going to give you a physical external reality to demonstrate this, okay? And not to get weird. I'm not trying to get creepy or weird. But look at each one's form, man and woman, how he constructed them. We are clunky. We are utilitarian. We're not that pretty to behold. But woman is formed, I'll say this, she is formed well. Is that fair to say? Woman is formed wonderfully well. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. Oh, my dove, the, the, the groom is saying to the bride, oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And some might even say, you could translate that word face as appearance or form. You don't talk to men that way because it's not true. Our forms aren't lovely, but woman is lovely. Well, the implication is this. While man images God's power and sovereignty, woman images God's beauty and grace. Have you ever seen 
a sunset, like a real sunset over the ocean. You can't on the East Coast. I went recently with a trip, uh, on a trip with my wife to the Florida Keys, and every night, we finally got to Key West one of those nights, but every night I'm like, honey, we gotta go, she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, we gotta go to a restaurant where we can watch the sunset over the water. We got, and every night it was like, whoa, I just, it blows my mind. It's burning red, and it just <laughs> melts into the ocean, and yet it's mere minutes, and the thing's gone. Have you seen that? Have you seen waves at the ocean? A breathtaking landscape of mountains and autumn leaves. We were driving yesterday back from Pittsburgh with my family, and every time you're driving through on Route 80 in Pennsylvania, every turn, it's like, boom! Jack was yelling, my son was like, Dad, look at that! Tammy was saying, Sirs, look at that, look at it. And you look out the windows, and just this landscape of mountains and endless autumn leaves and trees, countless, and you're literally, it's breathtaking. The clouds and the sky, who is that? Did you hear my question? What, what is that? Can that be personalized? When you see a sunset or a wave crashing on the, on the ocean shore. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but where do we see that best in creation? Man does not capture in himself God's stunning beauty. Man is ferocious power, judgment, wrath, holiness, justice. Man wages war. Man represents what's seen in a lion. Have you ever seen on the Nature Channel when the lion like rips up the zebras and they're like, oh, look, watch that. That's man. He's a soldier, the hero quality, the knight in shining armor, the rescuer. But is that all that God is? Is he only justice and wrath? And sovereignty and power? No, listen, God is also stunning beauty. That tidal wave crashing on the shoreline, or like I said, all those landscapes, the sunset, God is also stunning beauty, and something must reflect that stunning beauty, or there is a deficiency in the image bearing of man the creature. Did you hear what I just said? If we don't, if God didn't create something to capture not just his power and wrath and justice and all these, but something to capture his awe-inspiring, breathtaking, stunning beauty, creation would be deficient. We wouldn't be fully image bearers. Something must reflect God's beauty. Enter woman. Woman is God's breathtaking, awesome wonder, his stunning beauty. She is the rescued princess quality, the beautiful bride. She is the rescued. Man's the rescuer. She is the rescued. Can I give another silly example? And then if you want more of this lesson, we'll just do it at College Career one night, because I didn't get through points three through two through four. There's more, I'm just gonna end it. I'm ending it here, okay? All right? And we're pretty good on time, actually. Can I give another silly example? And I'm not trying to be weird. And if you think I'm weird, it's your fault, because I'm not weird, okay? I'm not, yeah. My boys, I, I thought I was gonna have all boys. And I had no idea what I needed. And I wasn't like a male chauvinist. I just, I grew up with a brother, and my mom was kind of like, she would say she was kind of tomboyish when she was a kid. We just, all, all we knew was guy stuff, and then we had two boys, and my wife was like, you know, I'm gonna be a boy mom. I'm gonna have, we're gonna have more boys if the Lord gives us more kids. She just, we just figured there'd be more boys. And I, I, I love, I'm obsessed with my boys. But my boys never, this is gonna shock you, they never steal my breath when they walk in a room, and they never have. I love them, but they never steal my breath. And I'm telling you, my girls still steal my breath and make me gasp. I literally get startled and distracted when they walk in a room, still, and I can't stop looking. Because femininity is beautiful to behold. And it's such a strange thing, being a dad of daughters, that I never knew, I never understood it till I experienced it, and it's so very real. And again, 
It's not creepy. And if you think it is, that's your problem. It's not. I'm talking about beholding feminine beauty. They walk, they'll, they'll just walk in the room. I'm like, and I'm in my head, I'm like, what are you doing with your eyes? Like looking at daddy like that. Do you want something from dad? But it's just that they're, they're women. They carry that. I know it sounds silly, but like tossing the hair. Like they'll, they'll be at dinner, and one will like toss their hair and look at me and ask me for like the salt. And I'm like, <laughs> why did you just ask for the salt? Why did you have to look at me that way? And, but it's femininity. I, I don't know what it is, and it still steals my breath. It could bring tears to my eyes. It's just different. It's not man, and thank goodness, because you get tired of sweat and blood and smell and wrath. You just want beauty and rest and grace. Don't you see what would be lacking in creation if God had not made woman? There would be nothing to reflect his beauty. It would be all brute strength in man, the image bearer, and an incomplete picture of God because God, listen, is more than brute strength. He's more than brute strength. He's tenderness, he's compassion. And that's the other that I didn't get to, but stay tuned for another event or come out of the college crew group or we'll do it at some point. But the other qualities that woman images, not only God's beauty, but his grace. Do you realize what is the centerpiece of the gospel? Grace. Now I'm not saying man can't exercise grace. Jesus was full of grace. But I'm saying in its inherent created state, what did God create in its natural existence that most exemplifies the quality of grace? God's unmerited love by which we are saved. What? Woman. There's no question. She was made to reflect grace. She also reflects service, sacrificial service. Really? Serve? Have you ever seen a mom? A day in the life of a mom. That is God's service on display. And she also reflects God's healing. It's a woman who binds up the brokenhearted. Who binds up the brokenhearted? In Isaiah. He will come and he will preach good news to the poor and release to the captives and he will bind up the brokenhearted. Who is that? That's Jesus, guys. That's the center of the gospel. And what creature in all of existence did God make on the earth to embody and to personify binding up the brokenhearted in her natural state? She naturally heals who is that? Woman. Men don't heal. And, and, and I'll end with this. I think it's high time we started getting a little indignant and, and having a movement. Instead of telling all our girls that they should want to be men, that's what this whole feminism thing is, oh, men have it better, we should want what men have. Why aren't we coveting what women have? I, I kind of covet what you have. That you embody beauty and you embody grace and you embody service and you embody healing core aspects of God's sublime nature, and that's yours in creation. That is so cool. What we really should do is not covet either side, but we should celebrate both positions and both identities that God has made, but not lose the beauty of femininity because we are causing our women and girls to forfeit, listen, the lofty position God put you on in creation. He made you last, and he made you with a purpose, and he made you absolutely beautiful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We pray that this would encourage these women not to denigrate or to feel embarrassed or to hide their femininity, not to do what the culture does, to chase after masculinity, but to be, in a, in a godly and Christianly way, 
proud of how God intended woman to be in, in her sublime femininity. He, he did that for a reason. It is not man. She's entirely different than man. And that is good. And that should be celebrated. And it's not just the physical outward appearance. It's not just the ability to be a bride or to bear children, because some women are never brides, and some women never bear children. It's who they are in the core, spiritually, that God made them feminine. And in that, he took aspects of his divine nature, and he embedded that into her. And when we don't celebrate her and her lofty position, we are missing out on something glorious in God's artistic creation. And I would say one of the most glorious things, because he ended his creative work with woman. Lord, we are thankful for women. Bless these women today. Encourage them. Let them draw nearer to Christ and now also equip them to defend themselves physically because this is a world that is broken and they need that protection from men also for themselves in situations. So we pray that you would bless this whole time now and they would learn a lot. We're thankful, Lord. I'm thankful for the women in my life, my lovely wife, my little daughters, and those women, my mom, from whom I have learned so much. We love you and we thank you, Jesus, and give you the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Careful with those eyes. They're very powerful. All right. Thanks, guys. Jim? Cool. Thank you.